genre. to Spider-Man Minute, the daily podcast where we analyze and celebrate Spider-Man 3, one breaking and entering minute at a time. I'm Zach Luna. I'm Scott Corelli. And I'm Alex Thompson. Welcome back, Alex. Hey, thanks for having me back. Of course. Uh, Today we've got you back for Minute 12 of Spider-Man 3, which begins with Flint Marco climbing a ladder on a fire escape and ends with him picking up a t-shirt. Aggressively opening a drawer. (laughs) Yes, (laughs) Where is it? I need it. You see how big and strong he is? Everything he does is aggressive. Yeah, yeah he doesn't yeah, know yeah. that he's doing it. He, he's he's, he's <laughs> yeah. like the Hulk. Like I don't know. I don't think he's more like Lenny from Mice and Men. I I I just opened the drawer. You know, I, I, didn't yeah, know I was that. trying my best. <laughs> I was just trying to pet the mouse. <laughs> this poor drawer. Oh, <laughs> so oh, no. Uh, so we've got, we start with our um, our alleyway stuff, which I I feel. I mean, I said this yesterday. I think this is just on a soundstage somewhere. Um, the, the bricks it's at least great. look. It's yeah. great. That's yeah. that's all I know is that I yeah. love looking at it. I think like it's this great. wide shot with the train yes. coming by in the background. And oh man, the... it's great. Like I think it's it, a soundstage because I don't think New York City is this wide open in places that would be this like this. Yeah, the, yeah. the alley itself probably wouldn't have that much space there. Yeah. Um, Right, right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that definitely that definitely checks out. It's just it's really well done and it looks mm-hmm. like a real space even if it you know isn't it's exaggerated a bit. Yeah. yeah. And it's it's built really great too because like you can see where the window is that he's going to be going through, you know? Like yeah. it's 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 really well designed as far as um continuity. Like yeah, and visual clarity and all of that right, stuff. Right. Right. Um, I almost wonder if I, I doubt they could have built this as a uh, uh, like a contiguous set, you know, like a non facade. Mm. But um, it feels real. Uh, yeah. And when when he hops down yeah. there in the next shot, yeah. I don't know. I I just I don't know why I get such a kick out of like dark alleyways that are you know slightly heightened reality and the it's movie magic, baby bricks and all that. Yeah, man. Like <laughs> turn that corner. There's probably steam escaping out of some manhole cover and love maybe it. The, Maybe the Ninja Turtles are around and Matt Murdock. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, I think my, my favorite thing about Thomas Hayden Church uh, bulking up before this is that he has no, he is very uncomfortable being this big. And so <laughs> like he's, he's everything that he does is like slightly awkward because he doesn't know how to move his big arms around. Yeah. Um, it's, I, it's <laughs> very charming. Like, yeah, it's the equivalent of like, like a really tall person, like ducking under doorways, but mm-hmm. like, that's just him walking in between things or this window move and everything. I like, it's just, you can see visually that like he doesn't want to impose or make things bad, but he's gonna, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I'm Uh, trying to be delicate, but I'm huge. I, (laughs) I will say this. I, um, okay. So this, this scene in particular, 
this this one that we're getting is he's getting into his his daughter's uh, bedroom. Um, mm-hmm. This is my favorite Sandman scene in the movie, um, mm. uh, and and it's 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 funny because it's immediately followed by my least favorite, um, oh which is the yeah. kitchen scene. Uh, but we'll, yeah. We, yeah, we'll get there tomorrow. <laughs> um, this this one is my favorite uh, because it is very subtle. It does a lot. Thomas Hayden Church is acting his ass off. Um, it like it's it's so good. So like just it's from efficient. A, yeah. Very efficient. So like he comes in and his he looks around the room and it's like, oh man, I remember this place. Like I haven't seen this in so long. Like you can see that crossing his face, which would be really hard to do because there's barely any light on his face. Yeah. But you get that from his performance. You get that. And then when he looks at her he has to sit down because he's just like, oh my God, she got so old while I was in prison. Like you can sense all of that on his face, like in the performance, there's no dialogue whatsoever. And then from a storytelling standpoint, the, the letters of him, like holding the letters, the packet of letters that all say return to sender, you get that like, oh, her mom is not into him being in prison at all. Like it's, it's such great visual storytelling uh this is this is like a powerhouse of a scene like this is so good this is the kind mm-hmm. of silent scene that like i i always try to write because it's just it's so simple but like also complex like it's deceptively simple because there's so much yeah. information you're getting out of this yeah it's just uh, efficient is the only word i can think of for it i yeah. You know, one of the things that's been fun about doing this film in chunks like this is finding these scenes in isolation where you're like, yeah, this totally rules. Like, yeah. this, is, this is great. Oh, you know, yeah. uh, but maybe the whole, I don't think the whole movie fits together properly. I, I, mm-hmm. I definitely get why people don't like the movie, but just to like take a step back every once in a while when you find these moments where like, yeah, no, this is, they're doing good work here. Um, yeah. It's hard yeah. to make a movie. It is. Yeah. So I told you guys uh, before we started recording that there were a couple reasons that I was really happy I got these minutes. Um, mm. The fact that we've got Sandman is one of them. I adore this entire performance. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say, and this may sound like a bit of a hot take, <laughs> I think it's one of the real tragedies that this movie didn't do better critically. I think if it had more critical success and maybe one fewer villain... I think this movie would do for Sandman what Batman the Animated Series did for Mr. Freeze. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. Yeah, because, I don't I don't disagree with that. Yeah, it's, because I look before this movie Sandman's backstory was just he's a two-bit criminal who due to whatever the story required at the time got sand powers. Mhm. Yeah. But like giving him pathos and a bit of a tragic backstory I think makes him really interesting and Tom Hayden Church is killing it. Yeah, to me. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Long been a uh, very steady uh, uh, cinematic presence, old Thomas Hayden Church, um, mm-hmm. but uh, well used here. I mean, yeah. We 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 touched briefly on it during the um, the credits, but uh, he's he's been one of those guys that like got started doing small parts on things like you know Cheers and Twenty One Jump Street back in the day. And then, you know, got known for a TV series, um, Wings, basically, in the 90s, that he was, you know, Lowell Mather on that for a while. And then was like, 
it was hard to find a place to to fit him, even though he was so obviously such a gifted performer mm-hmm. uh, from you know out the get go. So then you you know get him doing all sorts of random things here and there, and then popping up you know and uh, small like even doing voiceover and stuff for a while, and then he comes back just prior to this with Sideways and Spanglish sort of back to back, and um, and that the first time that he had a a part that was you know, pitched to him as he's the first choice and it, it was, you know, uh, let him be considered for, like, big awards and things like that. And then his um, his star was basically as high as it ever got at this point because mm-hmm. people were like, you know, obviously Paul Giamatti got showered with awards attention for Sideways, but that movie doesn't work without um, Thomas Hayden Church. He's so yeah. generous as a, as a scene partner in that. So, mm-hmm. like... This moment is like, I don't know, the the best career-wise you can do as an actor, I feel like sometimes, is mm-hmm. you hit your your big career thing and then you make a, a big movie right after it. And in the big movie, you get to do sensitive, like, like deep work. Mm-hmm. I This must have felt like a dream for him. Yeah. 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 He, uh, did he go to acting school? Um, or did he just start acting out of high school? Uh, let me let me double check because he like was you know born in California and he was, used to work as like a rancher and he didn't um, start acting in earnest until his late twenties. He was like almost thirty. Yeah, um, let me think. It seems it seems like then that seems to me like he probably did was not trained as an actor, yeah, which is like even more impressive. Yeah, he didn't go to like a drama school when he was eighteen years old or some nonsense like that. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't look like his. It says he attended University of North Texas, but doesn't say that he was like studying drama there or anything like that. Yeah, yeah. So that's uh, that's very impressive. Yeah. And I I still remember seeing him. I think probably the first time I was hip to him was in the specials, um, that mm. little James Gunn movie that um, uh, James Gunn doing superheroes before Guardians. Um, right, and before Super, very, before Super, yeah, yeah. before Super, <laughs> before. I forgot Super was a thing. I yeah. blocked that out of my mind. Um, but yeah, White him super. is this very stick in the mud. Uh, you know, it's very hard to play a character who is boring without being boring, and he managed it. So yeah, you know, yeah. that yeah. Or, um, I'm trying to think of the first thing I saw him in. Honestly, probably this is when I like paid attention to him. But I remember like uh, he's one of the teachers in Easy A. And mm, I was just that's like, right. that guy's great. Yeah. Who is that guy? Oh, yeah, that's the guy from Spider-Man 3. And then you go <laughs> looking back and yeah. he's in Idiocracy as the um, uh, the CEO of Brondo. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like little things like that. George of the Jungle. He's just kind of got a little bit of bad luck as far as picking the blockbusters. Because like you look yeah. at the blockbusters he's done, uh, Spider-Man 3, uh, John Carter, uh, Hellboy, the the, mm-hmm. the 2019 Hellboy, you know, he just kind of like if he was landing in better blockbuster movies, like I think it would even, you know, be boding better for his career. But he, yeah. he just seems to be like getting the wrong ones. Yeah, I yeah. watched uh, when I was when I was a uh, when I was a kid, like in the 90s. I mean, that's like I watched a lot of sitcoms, like. Mm-hmm. Basically, like that was the majority of the shows that I watched would be sitcoms. Okay, yeah. Um, and and I don't I don't know why, but like uh, you know, there were a lot of sitcoms that a lot of people have never even seen <laughs> that I've seen. 
because uh, I just watched a lot and I watched Wings a lot. Um, it was uh, it was one that I, you know, I didn't watch. I don't know that I'd say regularly, but it was like one of those shows like news radio that I would balance between watching reruns on USA and mm-hmm. watching new episodes. So I, I didn't really quite have a handle on like what the overarching storyline of it was, if there was one, but <laughs> I knew Thomas Hayden church from that show, which, uh, that show kind of a crazy cast. Cause it's like Thomas Hayden church, Steven Weber, Tony Shalhoub and wow. uh, Tim, Tim Daly, who's the voice of Superman. Uh, in the uh, the Tim the um, the animated series, yeah, the animated shows, yeah. Um, so uh, it like really, really uh, like really well cast show, and he was um Thomas Ian Church was like the comic relief on that show, uh, if I remember Wild. correctly. He was the he was the sort of the um you know the Chris Pratt on uh, on Parks and Rec kind of character, on, yeah, on Wings, if I remember correctly. It's kind of kind of crazy that like. You know, he went from that and then eventually did uh, Sideways. It has, you know, he could have been the next, like, you know, Woody Harrelson. Um, sure. Yeah. Uh, but uh, unfortunately. Um, but, you know, he's got that series now on uh, Amazon that he's been doing, like, from 2016 onward, uh, Divorce. That uh, Oh. It's him and uh, Sarah Jessica Parker and some other people. Um, he's been working pretty steadily on that. It's. Yep. We're in this landscape where, like, there's way too many TV shows. So, like, I'll hear about a show and people are like, oh, that's really good. I'm like, oh, I should watch that. And then I don't. I should watch that. But there aren't 72 hours in a day. (laughs) Right, exactly. Um, But he's had that steady gig in the the recent years. and um, That uh, just got picked up for its third season, which will be released this coming July. Well, there you go. Yeah. So, I think he's in a good place right now. He's got a couple other projects in pre-production. Yeah. So. I think his stuff is just kind of uh, low key. Um, yeah, you know yeah. that's that's kind of he has a bit of a low key career. You know, he honest. reminds me a bit of like a, a Garrett Dillahunt type, where mm, sure, like he, you know, where he's just like not showy, but like so uh, dependable, reliable. Um, yeah, you know, he's got that vulnerability with this like strong masculine presence, and um, it's just wild to me that they have such disparate careers because like. You can scroll through Garrett Dillahunt's and you're like, oh, I don't know. I, I recognize this guy. I don't know what he's in. And then you'll scroll through and it's all of these like big Coen Brothers movies and No Country for Old Men and Looper. And, you know, like he's just in all of these. He's in Lincoln and stuff. Like he's just in all these things as this dependable guy. And then he'll do a sitcom or something out of nowhere. And I just I kind of want that for Thomas Hayden Church. I just want more not awards bait, but like, you know, I, I just want more recognition for him because he is so. He's so so reliable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I found his uh, his origin story, his anecdote. He tells about how he got into acting. So, um, yeah, he did not study acting. He was, you know, uh, going to college and working in cattle ranches in, uh, in Texas, and he was living in Dallas. And his best friend at the time was an actor, and his his friend thought maybe he could be an actor. Like he had the 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 right vibe for it or or what have you and he invited him his best friend did to go with him to this cold read audition seminar like one of those things where they have a casting director come into the smaller markets and be like here we'll teach you guys a little bit about you know reading and auditioning um and maybe see some new faces there uh, like there's like a hundred people that go and most of the time those don't result in anything really but maybe you get a taste for acting maybe you learn a little bit and they tell you about headshots and whatnot but they did this 
workshop, this like audition seminar. And the casting director that was leading it really liked him. He thought he had this interesting vibe. And he said, um, I'm, I'm going to be back here soon, actually. I'm casting a movie that's going to shoot in Kansas, and we wanted to read some actors in Dallas. Um, can I have your information? He's like, sure. Came back and read him for this part and then got this tiny movie called Gypsy Angels, which is this weird independent film where like some guy who like at a Pizza Hut franchise or something like a like a guy who had a reasonable amount of money where he could self finance a, a, a movie without being part of the movie business really and wanted to be in a movie but I'll be in it type thing made this movie but there was a part in it that uh, he was right for and when that when they shot on it uh, he did well and they connected him with an agent in LA and then he came to LA and William Morris the agency was like, yeah, I think we like you. The, they could see the footage from the the, um, the little film he did was good. And they decided to try him out, just sending him on on jobs. So he like flew to Los Angeles, got signed, and was just sent on auditions and then started working basically immediately. There's no like... <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like... the mo- What if he hadn't said yes to his friend? Like, I'm going to this thing. It changed his life entirely. Wow. It's, it's uh that's 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 great i mean i i i'm sure every struggling actor including yourself hears that and it's just like man <laughs> come on yeah right dang dude yeah he didn't even want to be an actor and he got to be one <laughs> wasn't it um i was a, a robert england or johnny depp or it was someone who was i think involved with the first nightmare on elm street who basically mm-hmm. was there because they were driving their friend to the audition or something yeah, like that? Yeah, it was Johnny Depp, yeah. It was Johnny yeah. Depp, yeah. Yeah. His, his friend, <laughs> he drove his friend to the audition, and like the, he didn't know how long he'd be there, so he hung around with him. And uh, <laughs> they liked his look, and they had him re- <laughs> Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, Jeez. at least, I, I feel better about Thomas Hayden Churches because it was, they had to do the workshop and work on the acting and try something out, and then the casting director was like, oh, wow, this guy's got something really interesting. I like his vibe. He seems like a genuine person let's bring him in whereas i'm pretty sure the story on elm street was that one of the producer's daughters was there and when they were trying to figure out which boys should be in it they would ask her well who they thought was cutest and she thought johnny depp was really cute so even though he wasn't really an actor at the time (laughs) right well he's cute you know oh oh boy and oh oh boy boy. did he become an actor after that (laughs) yeah (laughs) some might say a little too much of an actor yeah it just also a little too much of a lot of other things but um. yes indeed um but god (laughs) god like if you guys haven't rewatched spider-man 3 in a while like pull up the pull up the scene where he comes in and sees his daughter it is just fantastic Mm -hmm. it's really really great Speaking, I don't have any snarks to say on today's episode because it's yeah. just like no snark, but um, yeah. uh, maybe a little snark. But so he, we get this look at these props here, uh, these letters. They, so shout out to the props department. Oh eight five six two is actually the zip code of Wrightstown, New Jersey. No oh. way, it yeah. is. Um, I will note that unless he broke out of like a prisoner transport or something, he has really hauled it to get from Wrightstown over to Brooklyn um, <laughs> by car. It's about an hour 45 Whew. Uh, with good traffic. So he has hoofed it. It's about 76 miles. Well, and he's but, managed to cross a state line. Let me, well, let me, <laughs> let me, let me ask, let me ask this though is, 
is that because it's it's being sent to Department of Corrections. Is it, it do letters get sent there and then sent to prisoners? Like, is it one of those situations or or, you know, is that like the, the hub where everybody reads their mail? before they actually send it out because that's like mm. that's a thing right is like you mm. can't send out mail or receive mail without it being read first isn't that a thing checked out yeah that feels feels um, reasonable i suppose that's possible though I've, i mean it seems a little inefficient to send mail farther away before sending it back to brooklyn <laughs> Look, but there, you know, there is right. nothing not, not efficient about mail <laughs> yeah yeah um or prisons or uh, prisons yeah, yeah. There's very little efficiency about most things except for this scene. <laughs> what does seem a little weird, though, looking at his letters is that like his handwriting seems to change pretty drastically from one uh, envelope to the next. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm paused here on 44 seconds, and this is some pretty different uh, penmanship from uh, one letter to the other. Yeah. 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 I don't I don't know how you end up doing that because I would presume that the same prop master or person that's making one letter is making all of them. So you would think Yeah, so. I yeah. think that's probably it. You would think it's the same person, but it probably wasn't for whatever reason. Bizarre. Mm. I don't know. Yeah. Mm. Hmm. Interesting. Hmm. I'm also I'm also surprised that he gets to put his name on the return address. Yeah, instead of just uh Department of Corrections. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's, uh, it's interesting. Well, maybe if it does legitimately get returned, it's got to go back to him instead of just going into a nondescript pile. In the yeah, prison. maybe, maybe that's the case. Yeah. Um, in any event, I uh, yeah, you're not wrong about this handwriting. That's uh, no, maybe he's not allowed to different. fill out the envelope himself because maybe he just writes the letter and then hands yeah, it off. That, yeah, that could be it. Um, yeah, maybe I he can't write. Maybe, oh, like maybe he has other people like he dictates the letters and they write them for him. Oh, oh that might be it. I kind of like that as a especially if we're with the idea that he's kind of the dumb muscle. Yeah. yeah. The the idea that, yeah, he's got to have someone else write them for him. So yeah. he lost, These are all he lost written, his scribe between half of them are written by the vulture, um, whichever <laughs> the one has the fanciest handwriting that those are written by the vulture. <laughs> yeah. Played by Wallace Shawn. Of course. Oh. Of course. Of course. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I just I think that th this is a, gr a great scene, and you know, it's it's different. He's a different villain than uh, uh, I mean, for one, he's not really a villain, which is kind of what the whole movie's about. But uh, it's he's he's a different type of character than Doctor Octopus and Green Goblin. You know, like he those guys are scientists. Like that's, that was the basis of those characters is that they were scientists. They were, uh, in many ways, you know, what Peter simultaneously wanted to become and could become, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and here instead, like we're, we're in a different realm. Like there's no yeah. scientists in this movie. Um, it's, it's just about like normal people and it's about, normal uh uh you know peter like that's that's the mirror that they're they're showing uh peter is not his yeah. spider manning it's more about himself and like how he treats other people and um you know we talk a lot about forgiveness and how like there's two sides to every story and that's kind of what they were wanting to go with this one um yeah. and it's definitely here where you're just you're you're understanding who this guy is right away. Whereas, 
you know, we had a lot of questions about Octavius and whether or not he was, uh, you know, ultimately a great guy or not. You know, like we were always yeah. wondering, like, <laughs> you know, well, I, he seems like a nice enough guy, but like also he has a lot of hubris and a lot of, uh, uh, I don't know, like he just, he's not, he's not, he had some issues that he had to work out. Whereas like right. Flint is, it's, it's all circumstantial stuff. Um, it's it's a very different kind of thing. And that was the other word that they threw around a lot during the development of this is that they wanted to do something very different from the other two, which is why <laughs> there are no science-based villains in this. Um, even yeah. with the vulture, he wasn't going to be a science-based villain. He was going to be more of like a criminal mastermind, um, mm-hmm. which is a very different vibe. So, um, you know, kudos to them for doing something different. It didn't work for a lot of people, but they did do it. Uh, which is impressive when uh, you know you're you're working in a franchise that is that successful. You would think that they would just do another science villain because yeah. that's the easy thing to do. That's what works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so yeah. kudos to them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, all right, I think that uh, wraps us up for uh, minute twelve. Um, sure. You know, guys, if you want to go uh, check out our T Public store, you can do that at duelinggenre.com/slash/merch. Buy uh, our stuff on shirts and notebooks and things. Uh, you can do that, or you can get anything uh, from T Public through our our uh, link, and uh, we get a little cut of the the profit um, from T Public. So, uh, if you're looking to buy anything from T Public, go through our link. It really helps us out, and we appreciate all the people who have done that and will do that. And we will be back tomorrow with minute thirteen. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.